0: Wow, Wow. good morning. It's hard to follow that really, but I suppose the Word of God is powerful and effective, right? While I get myself arranged here, please turn to 1 Timothy. You'll find that in the New Testament, for those that are new, towards the end, Just put my microphone carefully in my pocket so I don't switch myself off. Um, while you're finding your place there, just to let you know, um, we've got a prayer meeting next Sunday evening, and this is what we're going to do. On the back of such a great preach from Paul last week, wasn't he outstanding? And do continue to pray for him while he's taking this mini-sabbatical. Pray for him and Chloe and the boys that they would be refreshed. But on the back of his, his call for leadership, and in particular younger leaders, we had such a response. I'd say 20, 30 possibly responded to that. We, we feel it would be foolish to miss the opportunity, to just treat it as another Sunday. We want to give next Sunday evening's prayer meeting over to praying for these younger people. All those, if you're here this morning, young person, and you responded last week, please come next Sunday evening. And if you're here and you didn't have the opportunity to respond, please come. So often we think, oh, leadership is for a particular style or fit or category. No, no, no. God calls people to lead. He calls people that we feel would be so unlikely to lead, to lead. So we want to give it over next week, to the younger people. So if you're under the age of 25, even saying that, I feel like tired. If you're under 25, or maybe even just, just over, come along. Because we want to seek God together. We want to lay hands on you. We want to pray that God would call you into leadership. Is that okay? So parents as well. If you can make every effort to get some of your family, or children there, that would be great. Hopefully you found 1 Timothy By now, before I read, I just want to give you a brief introduction. I'm not going to go into it because you can find the rest on our website. We're going for a series in 1 Timothy, so for more information, please go to our website. But just headline: this letter is written by a man called Paul to a guy called Timothy at a place called Ephesus, and Paul is writing to Timothy to help Timothy know how to lead a church what is involved in church leadership, how it functions, what should be in place, how the people within the church should conduct themselves. So this is a letter all about instruction of what the church looks like. So I'm going to read 1 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 14 to 16. They're going to come up on the screen behind us. Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how the people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Beyond all mystery, beyond all questions, sorry, the mystery of godliness is great. And I love this. Look at this poem. He appeared in a body. He was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world and was taken up in glory. Let's pray together. Risen Jesus, we welcome you here today by your spirit and I just simply ask, would you change us? Amen. Today we're going to look at the church. I'm going to tackle this preach by... First of all, throwing out a question. The question is, what is the church? And then I'm going to help answer this question with three headings that I see taken from verse 15, where Paul uses these three expressions to describe church. First off, he's got a household. And then we see the church of the living God, heading two. And then heading three, the pillar and foundation of the truth. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to work our way through those headings. Hopefully, my prayer is that we get a better, holistic approach at what church is. Firstly, I throw out another question. What is your thoughts on church? I don't know how many hundred people are here today, but there will be such a mix. Some of you will be here thinking, that's what I do on a Sunday. Some of you will be, I've been brought up coming to church Others would be, it's a little bit odd actually. i come, but if I had my own choice, I probably wouldn't. There'll be a whole mix of thought and feeling on what church is. You even say the word church to people. And it's just got so many negative connotations. I ask me the question, what did I think church was like 11 years ago, before I came into this building to encounter you lot, I thought church was probably out of date, out of touch, nice enough place, but it's where certain people went. You know, those that had nothing better to do on a Sunday. Those that weren't nursing a hangover. Those that weren't really involved in football or important things in life. That was my attitude, probably. What does God think? What does God think about the church? And I know this is a huge topic We could do a whole series on it, but I want to stay close to what we see, the expressions Paul uses. So let's work through the headings. Firstly, household. Household. In verse 15, Paul refers to it as the household of God, or God's household. Elsewhere in the Bible, in Ephesians, Paul writes this letter to the church And in chapter 2, he says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Household. Later on in Ephesians, it says, In him, that is Jesus, we are being built together. The church is God's home. It's his household where we've been brought together to be built together. And we're ordinary people, right? Sorry if that offends some of you. But we're ordinary folk. None of us look that extremely extraordinary. We're ordinary folk, ordinary Hastonians and beyond, that have been brought together for God's household. people that have received mercy, people that have received mercy and grace and love and freedom that have been redeemed and set free. My friend Adrian read this out at the men's prayer meeting this morning, but I put it in here. In 1 Peter it says, But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. A people belonging to God. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's what's happened to us. If you're here as a Christian this morning, you've been brought from one kingdom into another. Oh. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You've received mercy. <laughs> Household also speaks of family. I think this is beautiful. I didn't really know a family. I've got a family, but I didn't know a family. This is family. God's household is a family. A family where God is Father and that we are his children. We are his children. Yet to all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's what it says in John's Gospel. And in 1 John it talks about how God so loved us that he lavished love over us. How great is the love of the Father that we should be called children of God. So God scoops us up, redeems us, chooses us, brings us together and plonks us in his household, his family. And I know some of you, I I want this to penetrate this morning. We're not an organisation. We're not just a group of people. We're family, a family. From this, we relate to each other as brothers and sisters. I'm your brother, Alid. I'm looking at you, but you're not my sister. <laughs> We're brothers and sisters. How should we relate to each other? It's all, all well and good just saying brothers and sisters. And we can often do that, we can often just pay lip service to it and say, hey brother, hey sister, how should it look on the ground? In Philippians, one phrase, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. That's how we treat each other, as Jesus would treat you. He would treat me. And in Colossians, I'm going to bombard you with Bible hopefully this morning. In Colossians, this is how we apply this attitude. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Colossians 3, 12-14, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and with patience. Bear with each other. That's huge, isn't it? Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. This is how. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, this is what's going to link this family together. Put on love, which binds it all together in perfect unity. We're God's household, where we're to reflect Jesus. Our attitude is the same as him, where we wrap ourselves up in love. The church is a place where the lonely get a family. If you're here this morning, you don't know family. If you feel lonely, You might not say it, but inside you're like the loneliest person. You can find family in the church. The church is where the forgotten get remembered and can have a sense of belonging. Where the broken find healing and restoration. A place where the outcast is accepted and welcomed and gets included. A place where you and I... Are welcomed home. That's what it should feel like. You shouldn't come in here feeling it just feels odd. I know it's all a work, we're all working this out. You should come feeling I'm at home here. This is my home. This is my we're not perfect. But this is my home. You should see my little intimate home. Two children, one beautiful wife, two children. You come around to our house, there's Ribena on the wall, there's the Food under the table. My son Tom has written in marker pen, Tom, on our walls. We are not a perfect family, but it's home. For my children, I want them to know they're home. They're loved. And they're part of my home. My home. God is our Father. And he would say to you, you're part of my home. My house. God's household also has love on display. In Acts, in chapter 11, there's this guy called Barnabas. This is brilliant. There's a guy called Barnabas and he goes to a place called Antioch. And when he arrives there at the church, he sees something. He sees something on display. He sees it. It says he saw the evidence of the grace of God at work among God's people, the church. And it simply says this in verse 23, Acts 11. When he arrived... When Barnabas arrived in Antioch, he saw the evidence of the grace of God and he was glad. Doesn't it thrill your heart when you come in and you hear people getting healed and set free and forgiven? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that eight people responded to the gospel on Alpha? Aren't you thrilled? I'm pretty glad. I'm pretty glad that a guy like me can be accepted by a lovely, wonderful, heavenly father. Evidence. God's love is on display. And within this church, within King's Church Hastings, there is story after story after story. I've been here 11 years and I've heard some bonkers stories of God's love on display. More people just getting welcomed in. More people getting set free, healed, etc., so in God's household there should be something on display and also, we don't live out our Christian life in a vacuum. Part of being in a household is, means that you're not on your own. It's not this attitude, it's me and Jesus. Just me and Jesus. You get that at times. I don't know, I'll seek the Lord on and I'll, uh, I'll talk to Jesus about that. It's me and him. Jesus wants you to talk to one another about things as well. He wants me to engage with you in conversation and dialogue and what do you think about this? And I'm feeling this. What about you? Not this attitude of like, do you know what? It's just me and Jesus. That's my church. As a family, the church is where God grows us. I've used this analogy before. It's like a greenhouse. He's greenhouse. And within this greenhouse, there's many plants and they all grow together. Some grow faster than the others. Some are pretty annoying plants, and they tangle themselves around other plants. And you've got to gently just squeeze them out. Sometimes things need to be trimmed off and cut off. But we do that as we grow together. We grow up alongside each other, and we shape each other. We grow, we grow in life as we do life together. You will not grow outside of a church. You'll grow. You'll, sorry, you will grow, but it'll be weird. It'll be odd. You'll pick up all sorts of ideas. God's household, the family where people belong. Before we move on to the next heading, there's a quote by a guy called John Groves who used to lead this church. And he said, the church isn't isn't a building you go to, but it's a people you belong to. Love that quote. So that's God's household. Next heading, we see living God. So from God's household, Paul uses this other expression, the church of the living God. Now this is such a significant statement. Not only is the church God's family, but it's also the place where he lives. It's the place where God lives. The place where he chooses to reside. The place where his presence is. In Ephesians 2 verse 22 The latter part of the verse, we had the first bit and in him, that is Jesus, we're being built together. We're being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We're being built together, folks, for a purpose. God isn't random. You're not here by random chance. We're being built together for purpose. God is a purposeful God. And the purpose is because he wants to live with us. He wants to come and camp out with us. He wants to dwell with us. He's always wanted a people for himself. A people to belong to. A people that will belong to him. Throughout the scriptures, particularly the Old Testament, God says things like this in Jeremiah. They will be my people and I will be their God. In Ezekiel, he says, my dwelling place will be with them, I will be their God, and they will be my people. There's other places. Leviticus, throughout the Old Testament, God seems to call this, he trumpets out this statement. This is my desire. I want to be their God, and they will be my people, and I want to be with them. But the way it worked out was really, different than what we experience today. And I think it's so easy to take this for granted. As I was studying this word earlier in the week, I just felt I'm just scratching the surface. We're just going to scratch the surface. But the privilege it is to come into God's presence is completely mind-blowing. In the Old Testament, God's presence was carried around in this thing called an ark, a golden box, effectively. And only certain people could touch that ark carry it on wood, the Levites. If anyone else touched it, they died. He is such a holy God. So he called these, group called the Levites, to carry the presence, the ark of the presence of the Lord. That's where God went, where they carried him. Also in the temple. Me and Kevin were bouncing this around during the week and I was just asking Kevin, just help me, the concept of the temple, it's huge. God's presence was also in a thing called a temple that was built. And there were certain sections in this temple, but there was this place called the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God was. And this is what got me. Only one man, the high priest, once a year could go into that place. And do you know what he had to do? Tie a rope around him, they did, just in case he died, so they could pull him back out, because no one else could go in. In the New Testament, in Corinthians, we read this. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Individually and together, we are known as the temple of God. God's presence is in us individually, in us, within us, if you are a born again believer, and is among us corporately. This is amazing. It's an amazing truth that we, dressed quite ordinary, that have come from all sorts of backgrounds, can come into the presence of God. And it's all made possible because of Jesus. And through Jesus, who the scriptures say is our High Priest. He is the one that went before God and dealt with our sins. The very thing that's prevented people going into God's presence... Jesus has removed that barrier Ephesians 3 says in him Jesus and through faith in him we, you, I we may approach God with freedom and with confidence is anyone happy about that this morning? freedom and confidence Jesus has made it possible and I like this We are now like arks. David Burke, you're like an ark. We are like arks. Individual arks where the presence of God dwells within us. Arks of the new covenant. Not gold boxes. Human vessels. Spiritual beings. Where God's presence goes within us. Where we go, God goes, is what I'm trying to say. Wherever we go, God goes. Ephesians 2.21 In him, the whole building, all these arks, all these living stones are being joined together to rise, to rise, to become a holy temple in the Lord. So individually we're like these arks, but together we're being built up, built up, built up, and it's rising, and this temple's getting huge across the earth. It's to become the dwelling place of God. We are together are the church of the living God. Because God's here, because he lives and dwells within his church, great things happen. He speaks to us. He guides and leads and directs us. He heals us. We've heard recent stories of people getting healed. People getting healed from back uh, issues that have had it for years and years and years. We heard the two stories of people with significant mental health difficulties healed because God's here it happens it's not because we sing a few nice songs it's because God's here he changes us in his presence we're changed it says that we take he takes us from one degree of glory to another we're just getting crafted and shaped to be more like Jesus that's in his presence God brings freedom and liberty it says where God is where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom Freedom. Some of you need freedom this morning. Where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. Freedom. He brings peace and rest. In his presence, it says, in your presence there is fullness of joy. There's joy here because God's here. God rescues people, saves people. We've heard of the story from Alpha... But Steve Ben told us a story this morning. They were at Abundant Life, I think, yesterday or last week or something. Abundant Life Church in Bradford. 60 people were baptized. Once they were baptized, they gave an appeal, and 45 people responded to the gospel. God's in his house. And he's doing amazing things. He is seeking and saving those that are lost. Are you lost this morning? Question for you. we move on to the final point when we gather as a church when we come together in this way, not just on a Sunday like this, this is a shop window okay? church life, when we gather together in whatever setting that might be what do you think? is it a place you attend? you attend a community group, none have really caught your eye you just attend one or, or not has it become a place of boredom? just dull is that how you, you, you look at it or is it the place where you know God lives you, you know God's here so for that reason a- absolutely anything might happen seriously any, anything could happen people might just get set free this morning people might just get healed <laughs> people might just get saved this morning i'm here to meet with god i really am i want to meet with god we we craft the worship we talk about songs all week we but we want to meet with god we're not here to sing a load of nice songs we want to meet with god is that why you're here yeah. to meet with him I want, I want this more and more. I want this for us. I want to help be part of a team that leads you, that leads us into God's presence, his wonderful presence. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like the presence of the living God. And I want to say to you, if you don't know Jesus this morning, he's real and he's alive and he's active within his church, this church, he's active. And he wants to meet with you this morning. Whoever you might be. He wants to meet with you this morning. Okay. Thank you, Joe. We're going to move on to the final point. So he goes from God's household to the church of the living God and now we see this extra other expression which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Truth is a rare commodity these days. Would you agree? Truth about anything seems very difficult to come by. And I think people are searching for truth all over the place. The trouble is, we're looking for it in all the wrong places. Or people are. We're in a world that is so desperate for truth. Society is searching for truth anywhere. Truth on what, you might ask. Here's just a few. How we got here. Why we're here. What happens when we're not here? What about family life? What about marriage? What about how you treat your neighbour? What about how we care for the poor? What about how we care for those in need? What about how we care for each other? Truth on life. I know before I met with Jesus Christ, I was just searching for truth everywhere. Is that you this morning? I just want to know why I'm here. The church is the answer. Us, we are the answer. We are the answer. Verse 15, I love this statement. The church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. In the ESV translation says, a church is a pillar and buttress of the truth. Buttress. Say buttress. Say it again. Say it again. It's a good word, right? That's a good word. It's solid. When I came across this, I was like, it's something in buttress. You can't say it like buttress. It undergirds you as you say it. Buttress. I felt myself, you know, buttress. Some some definitions. I, I looked at this word a little bit. And there's some other meanings around it. It means to support or to bolster. It also means to reinforce or to prop up or to put structure around. And this dictionary definition is the one that I highlighted. Buttress means the protecting rock. That's the church. That's the church. It is the support, the reinforcement, the structure, the protecting rock. Rock around God's wonderful truth. That's what the church is. It's not some sort of weird club. It is the protecting rock of truth. You want to know what truth is? We look no further than Jesus Christ. He is the truth. Jesus said himself, I am the way and the truth and the life. There's no better holistic statement that you can find. I am the way. You're looking for the way, Jesus is the way. Looking for truth, I am the truth, he would say. You're looking for life, I am the life. Jesus is the truth. And the church is where the good news of Jesus rings out. The truth of who he is and what he's done. Here is a quote that I've taken from my ESV study Bible. Pillar and buttress of the truth is a way of saying God has entrusted to the church the task of promoting and protecting the gospel i.e. the truth. The architectural imagery presents the church's responsibility of holding up the gospel before a watching world probably in the view of repelling the attack of false teaching. This picture of the church is striking. King's Church Hastings we hold up Jesus to a watching Hastings. That's what we're about. Our responsibility as a local church is to hold up the gospel, to hold up the truth of Jesus to a broken, wounded, and watching Hastings. You think they're not watching, they're watching our every move. The gospel, Jesus is the foundation. I want to finish with this until we get to our response. In verse 16, we see the gospel being expressed in a very poetic fashion. Joe's going to, thank you. Verse 16 poetically expresses the gospel, which is the foundation and central message of the truth of the church. I'm just going to run through that. Listen to this. He appeared in a body, speaks of the incarnation. When God became flesh, and dwelt amongst us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and the Word became flesh, and walked with us, and talked with us, and saved us. God became flesh, and he went to the cross to deal with all of our junk. He was vindicated by the Spirit. This speaks of the resurrection, Jesus dealt with all of our sin on the cross. He was killed for it. He was buried. But three days later, he rose from the dead. And he is alive today. Was vindicated by the Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was raised from death to glorious new life. He was vindicated by the Spirit. Jesus is alive. He was sinned by angels. Angels saw him. If you remember the account, in, I think it's Matthew's Gospel, when the women come to the tomb to mourn and to anoint him with, with perfumes and stuff, there's an angel and he says, effectively, why are you here? Christ isn't here. He, he's risen. Just as he said he would. Now go. Go and tell the others. He, he appeared to angels. He was preached among the nations. He was believed on in the world. This speaks of when you know Jesus is real, when you know he's alive, you're going to tell others, right? When I met and encountered Jesus, I wanted to tell people. So his believers, willing to die for this message, it's not because they think it's true, they know it's true. Jesus is alive. Thomas was able to say, I touched him. I put my hands in, in his hands and I, I felt the side where they pierced him. He's alive. He's alive. And I want to tell you, I, I, I've encountered Jesus. And I'll tell you this morning, he is alive. He's alive. This message is being preached and will continue to be preached across the nations of the world. Wow. He appeared in the body, vindicated by the Spirit, sinned by angels, preached among the world, and was taken up into glory. Now this speaks of Jesus in total victory. He's won it. Jesus has won the victory. Task completed. Mission fulfilled. For God so loved the world that he sent his son to what? To die for us so that we could have new life. Mission done. It finished. Task completed. And then it says Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father in all glory, ready to come again to scoop us up. He's victorious. It's a beautiful poetry of the Gospel. So, what's our response to this? We are to declare, defend, and demonstrate this truth in everything that we do. Local churches, like I've said, are not meant to be weird little places. We're not meant to be little holy huddles, little safe bomb shelters. Quick, get your kids in. Let's just be good. We are meant to be at the heart of every community. Every community. We are meant to reflect Jesus to a broken Hastings, to be the redemptive centres that Paul spoke on last week, seeing people restored. This is my heart. I want to see people come in, whoever you are, from all walks of life, welcomed, hear truth, meet with Jesus, be utterly changed. That's my heart for this church. Come in, you're so welcome, hear good truth, meet with Jesus, and be changed. We are to be salt and light in the world. God's call to Abraham, if you remember, and through Abraham's descendants, was that through Abraham and his family, he would bless the nations of the world. That has now been passed down to us as the church. We are called to go into every nation of the world and be a blessing, to be a blessing. Jesus says, go. So we say, let's go. He rose from the dead. He appeared to his disciples and he says, now all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go with that authority and make disciples of all nations. Kevin, could you come up? Cheers, bud. Kevin's just going to play something as we pray in a few moments and I'm going to tell us where we're, how we're going to finish. just want to ask you just to be open to the Holy Spirit right now. Just be open to God. A church is not a place to come and sing a few songs and hear an okay message and then go home and have lunch and forget about it. We're here to be changed. We're here to meet with God. We're here to hear him. Where do you want us, Father? What do you want from us? Uh, where would you have us? I want to finish, read two scriptures and then lead us in prayer. In Isaiah 61, Jesus also repeats this hundreds of years later. He says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners, those that are blind. And then in Isaiah 60, verses 1 to 3, I couldn't get away from this. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of of the Lord rises upon you. Yeah, you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over all the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you so that nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. There's a town out there that doesn't know Jesus. Broken, wounded, harassed, people getting murdered, drugs rife, poverty, helplessness, harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, we are the answer. Kings Church Hastings, we're we're the answer to the poverty, to the problem here, the Church of the Living God. It's going to take all of us working together as a family, as God's household where we know that he dwells and lives where we can believe that his truth trumps every lie but it's going to take all of us so I just want to challenge you this morning if you aren't connected in somewhere if you're feeling like do you know what there's nothing really grabbing me at the moment I want to urge you just to say here are my hands where do you need me? where do you need me? I want to get involved. You tell me where help is needed. Can I ask you to stand? Thank You Lord Jesus that You are the answer to the problems that we face. Thank You that every time I try to wiggle away and try to find a different truth, You're the answer. You're the answer. You're the only answer. And you're here for us. You're here to meet with us by your spirit. Thank you that you died for us. Thank you that you rose for us. Thank you that you sent your spirit to now guide us and lead us into all truth. So I pray you do that. Holy Spirit, would you now come and just dance over us? Come and bounce over us. Come and move among us, your people. We are the church of the living God where you dwell. It is your heart's passion to see a people of your own. Equipped, empowered and changed to reach the world. So I pray you'd speak to us. Just want to ask you to close your eyes if you haven't done already. And right where you're at, don't worry about anyone else around you. I had three things as I was preparing for this. There are some here that I feel the Lord would say, come back. Come back. Come back to him. And right where you're at, I'm not going to ask you to just just respond. Make that decision. Yes, Lord, I'm, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I've wandered away from you. There's another group of people that I feel need to give your heart afresh to the work of the church, to God's household, to be a member of this family. You feel a little bit disjointed or a bit detached or a little bit like, well, they've forgotten about me. As I would call to my son, Tom, as a loving father, I just feel the father would say to you, "You you're my loving son or daughter and you are part of this family. And I need you to be part of this family. Sometimes I say to my son, listen dude, please just do the chores. Just, just clean the table. Just get involved. We need you. I would feel the father saying, we need you. Please, we, we need you. I need you for this work. And also, if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus, but something through this message today has grabbed you. All you need to say in your heart right now is, Lord, forgive me where I've gone wrong. I believe that you are exactly who you say you are. God himself who died for me on a cross, who rose again to give me new life. I'm sorry for all of my mess and junk and I choose to turn to you today as my Lord and Saviour. If you're able to say that, the Bible just says, it's faith and repentance. You believe and you receive. You, you believe in your heart. You speak it out with your mouth. You turn to Jesus and you are saved. So if you're able to just say in your own words, Jesus, I want you. I need you. I've stuffed up on my own. Thank you for making it new for me. I want you to be my Lord. Then I just, as Kevin's playing, Lord Jesus, come and move. Come and change hearts today. Come and change hearts today. And we ask you to do this for Jesus' good name's sake. Amen. Amen. If you have responded to anything this morning, if you would just like prayer for something, any of those areas in particular, Please come and find me. I'm going to be down here for a few moments at the front. I'll ask some of the pastoral deacons to come forward as well. Simon, got word of knowledge? Si, could we turn that mic on?
1: Um, I believe there's some people here who... Um, you've got sciatica, or you think you think it's sciatica, you've got that kind of problem with... Uh, the nerves, the spinal column, and you just had that kind of shooting pain down, earth, down your leg, and you probably coped with it and lived with it for quite a while really, you just kind of got used to it, but I really feel God's identifying some people today, because yesterday it was really bad, and you've kind of really struggled to come along this morning, I really sense God saying, I want to heal you this morning. I'd love to pray in faith for you. So if, if you relate to that, if you think that's you, then um, I'd, I'd just ask you to perhaps come, come to the front of the stage when we kind of close the meeting up. If you kind of go over to the side there. Um, I would love to pray for you. And I'm, I'm in faith that God will heal you this morning.
0: Thank you, Si. So they're the the areas. If you want to come back to Jesus, you've been wandering away. If you feel actually you're disconnected from church life, in any way, it could be a million reasons. Or maybe you want to give your life to Jesus this morning. I want you to come and respond. And also for that word, sciatic nerve, sciatic damage, come and respond. For everyone else, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Have a great day. Great rest of the week and we'll see many of you next Sunday. God bless you.